Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Why Bitcoin Podcast, the podcast where we question everything, but mainly why Bitcoin. I'm your host. My name is Jeff. Joined here today with my uh, jo- jolly old, uh, you know, no, my my newly banned, my undercover co-host, Doug. Doug, how you yeah, doing? I'm, I'm Twitter dangerous. I am Twitter adjacent. Hello. Yes. How are you doing, friend? It's good I'm to doing... hear from you again. It's been a hot minute. It's been a little while, dude. I uh, Okay. For the listeners, we have an interesting show today. I have a theory that all Bitcoiners are awesome because <laughs> I haven't met one I didn't like yet. And uh, we had a arranged guest, uh, couldn't make it, little scheduling conflict. So I threw out a tweet and said, hey, would anybody be interested in coming on the show? And we have Alex Kaufman here joining us today. Alex, how are you doing, man? Welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. This is really cool. Cool, man. We're thanks excited. Thanks for being to, here, dude. Thanks for being here. We're excited yeah, to talk absolutely. to you. Always excited to talk Bitcoin with Bitcoiners. Uh, Is there an agenda or is it just all Bitcoin all the time? (laughs) (laughs) Well, Bitcoin is everything. This is what I say. I made this show and I said, there's nothing that you can talk about that doesn't in some way relate to Bitcoin. It it all does. Do you agree? Like, I don't know how hardcore you are of a Bitcoiner. Well, I'm a news junkie. So I, I, I tend to agree with that though, is that you can relate a lot of, a lot of current events back to, to Bitcoin and then uh, sometimes catch flack for it, right? It's like, oh, the Bitcoiners think that Ukraine is all about them or something. <laughs> it's true. It's all, it all comes down it's to not. the money. I am pretty sure money that matters, the yeah. <laughs> Ukraine president is worried about the Bitcoiners. I'm pretty sure. <coughs> so, I, I mean, yeah. No? Okay. The, revol- the revolution in money matters to everyone. Is relevant to every news event. We're off to a rocky start, Jeff. I've already, <laughs> I've already dropped the ball. I think Pick it up, run with it. I think everything's going to be just fine. Okay, guys, if this is your first time listening, you can find all our previous episodes at www.whybitcoinpodcast.com. You'll find all our episodes. We got a years and uh, years and a bit worth of episodes. Hey, anything you hear here is not financial advice. You should do your own research, uh, but also buy as much Bitcoin as you can before the end of the world. Okay, got that all out of the way. Dude, Can I, I just wanna, I have like the most, Alex, so y- if you're a news junkie, you must be fully aware that there's a lot of bad news in the world, right? There's a lot of bad news. I try to absorb it and, and, and just, I don't know, get into a Zen state. It's really very bad. Yeah. Okay. Know. Okay. Sometimes I, I think the retweeting is like a therapy or maybe it's just a, a bizarre behavior on my part. <laughs> it's interesting, man. I want to talk about that, but okay. So how I deal with all the bad news of the world we like to, and Bitcoiners are hyper aware of what's going on in the world of Ukraine and all these things. Uh, we, we like to open our show with a heartwarming story and I have, a very heartwarming story that happened to me this weekend. Um, so I'm just going to tell you guys. So I moved across the country to a free and open land, the land of Alberta. <laughs> and we recently, uh, on March 1st, they lifted all the mask mandates and all that shit, which was awesome. So my kid, he's almost four. He's never, he's been to one museum. He's never been in a jungle gym, like indoor big jungle gym thing. He's never seen large groups of people 
without masks on their face ever in his life. He's almost four years old. And we went to this science center. We just walked in. I paid. And then we walked in. There was no extra things happening. Everybody was there maskless. It was beautiful. My kid could just run inside. There was this big play structure there. And he was going through the tubes and the pipes. And it just warmed oh, my that's heart. That's awesome. Yeah. It warmed my that's heart so, cool. so much. Yeah. So it's so nice. Cool, that is very cool. It was almost overwhelming, like the joy I felt because it was a it was a big jump to cross did the country. He, uh, did he freak out or anything? Like, was that weird to him? Did he make comment about that? Because your kid's pretty verbose, you know. Like he <laughs> he kind of he'll he'll say what's on his mind, given what you've told me. So he does. Did, and did he, he find it weird? I th- you so the the um. The jungle gym he was in, it was like see-through, so you could like see him, and I could just see his eyes. It was almost just like a that like in awe. He was just like, "Whoa, this is amazing!" Like overwhelming for him. So I think he was very excited and happy, and just just to be with other kids. I mean, there was a lot of kids there, and like this is what I've wanted for him. Some parents are probably still scared of letting their kids play with others. Have you seen some of these articles coming out from like speech pathologists and speech language? speech language people have yes. you seen any of these articles it's something uh, that, all these it, kids are becoming massively delayed and everything yeah you need I've to look at somebody's yeah. face it's really sad yeah yeah especially if you like let's say you're let's say you're like a deaf kid like can you imagine being a like like a kid your son's age in the last two years but deaf trying to learn you know anything at all yeah it's what impossible a, what, a, what a travesty man what it's a absolutely awful. I think they have sign language, right? Something. What, it's false, well, yeah, but if you're, I'm saying, like, if you're, if you're a four-year-old, right, you're still yeah. learning. Like, yeah, you're, you're still learning, basically it, learning yeah. to talk. Mm-hmm. So, you know, my wife is a, a speech language pathologist, and she does oh, wow. sign. Okay. And uh, it's, well, uh, it's my just... daughter's ten, so she remembers the before times. <laughs> we do no, she, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Joke That's about funny. it. She's at an age where. Yeah, we transitioned to homeschooling uh, because we could. Our jobs are fully remote, and um, and so that's been a blessing uh, to be able to kind of part-time just uh, set her up with different Khan Academy and different online resources and have her we do used, her, uh, her social life Academy stuff. We last through. year, actually. It's good stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and there are a lot of different options, and I think games are extremely inherently educational too. So I we're we're kind of pro gaming um, in our household. So nice. uh, yeah, I mean it's it, it's not perfect, but we we've done our best. Because I wouldn't know how to murder a hooker unless I was playing GTA, <laughs> Minecraft, <So>. Minecraft, <laughs> but also <laughs> things like Animal Crossing and you know stuff on the Nintendo Switch. Is oh no, no GTA Five or anything like that. Not for okay. a ten-year-old, no. <laughs> Probably right, shouldn't be for anyone else fair either. <laughs> Me and my antiquated ways. All right. Animal Crossing is good, man. You need Animal Crossing to teach the kids to water the plants. That's coming exactly. soon. We're gonna, how else are you going to know? Wasn't that exactly. Farmville back in, in Facebook days? Similar. How broken, how broken is our world that yeah. we had to make games about farming because people <laughs> were just so disconnected with the world? Man. Farming We should have seen people. I mean, clicking <laughs> yeah. is easy. <laughs> yeah, clicking is easy. It is. true. So. But what kind of clicking in what order matters a lot, right? 
Okay. Does it? I don't know. So I'm much learning. Yeah. Well, it does on Twitter. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, I wouldn't know anymore, so that's okay. What happened to you? You got banned. I, uh, I got into a fight with someone. I'm not going to say his name because he's actually adjacent uh, famous. He's fa he's like related to someone he's who's like famous. Me. Yeah. Yeah. So, but oh, uh, we got into it, and uh, uh, <laughs> apparently I said too much. I said some too many naughty words, and apparently I'm banned permanently because I can't even take oh. the tweet back. So, shoot. So I'm deciding if I even. <laughs> I called them the p word quite a bit, to be honest. You did were yeah. you? So angry? did he then? Very angry. Report you. And that I actually didn't there. care. It's just that he kept coming at me. Like uh -huh. I didn't. I didn't ask for it at all. Like I just made a statement about something that someone else said, a total third party, and then he was. He just like started going after me, and I was like, you know what? I'm going to give as good as I get right now. And then he just kept coming. So I was like, whatever, dude. But, I don't know, uh, man. I'm trying I, to decide I, if I even want to keep going on Twitter, to be honest. Of course so, you do. I kind of do. But at the same time, it's starting to like... It's, it's addictive. So. It is very addictive. And it's designed to be such, which is, you know, should alarm yeah. people. But it never does. But uh, I'm. it's slowly like detoxing out of my system now. Where I'm like, I'm, it's just, so this happened on Friday, I think. And now I'm less and less today, like not fixing, you know, not fixing to get some, you know what I mean? So, mm. or jonesing, Maybe, I think jonesing is the word. This could be a growth moment for you because yeah, in my, in my Twitter life, I definitely went through a phase where I was like fighting with everybody. You just have to realize Twitter is a tool. You can use it to learn. You can use it to grow relationships. And then if you don't yeah. agree with somebody, you just move on with your life just block yeah. or mute or whatever and then just don't engage you know that... what the weird thing is i didn't really start twittering until bitcoin yes. and the pandemic like those two those two moments really drove me towards twitter i guess because i didn't have anybody you know you weren't seeing anybody and blah 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 but and you know bitcoin you're trying to find like-minded bitcoiners because normies mm -hmm. are everywhere they're like Ugh, that so was the same noise. for me was the the pandemic uh, basically the way i always used twitter was in in a sort of looking for the um how do you say it when you're doing history class of primary sources right is that you, okay. you want to actually read say the documents from history in order to know history right and so if you're living through history you want to know okay I'm going to go follow this person who's probably working in an ER in some, you know, uh, mid-sized city. Okay. And that then I'll get a sense if they tweet that this is really bad and here's what's going on, I'll get a sense that like, that's reality, you know? Right. And so, well, yeah, especially because you have trust issues in the society yeah. and for yeah. myself as well. I mean, I think most libertarians <laughs> are libertarian because they're, they're having some trouble trusting uh, these institutions and these systems, uh, rightly so. So, you know, when a news, a big news thing happens, you want to avoid the mainstream media and try to build something for yourself. And that's the way I've always used social media was that you can kind of a la carte build something and then have a lens through which you view the world. And that's that's kind of what I started doing with my personal throughout the pandemic. So, yeah, I agree with that. It's yeah, collective social intelligence kind of a thing. Well, right, yeah. And, of course, they have algos and they have filters and they have all sorts of things that are going to make it to where you 
potentially are getting nudged or biased toward toward a narrative or toward something more mainstream. But ultimately, if you have a society comprised of critical thinkers, which is debatable that we do, <laughs> uh, but if you if you have that, which is the ideal, yeah, it's the ideal society uh, is that you engage critical thinking, then then you are going to look at, at a lot of different lenses and sides of the issue and uh, and come up with some synthesis right for yourself and so some people just give up because it's too uh, mind-numbing and so they say oh it's all a lie or everything's false you know and so they that's what happened to me it. a couple a couple of yeah. weeks ago i started thinking everything was a lie so i needed to get off twitter because yeah if you if you yeah. dive too far one way or the other way you, it's so impossible to find the truth of what's actually going on and what's real so i mean Twitter is just a tool to use it how you want to use it. You have to realize that if you if you go on Twitter looking for a fight, you're going to find one. I'm talking to you, Doug. Like if you go I on wasn't over... looking for a fight, Jeff. I, <laughs> I think you were looking for a fight, man. No, no. But I will say, I, subconsciously, I, have to, I, I think I think I am coming to the conclusion that as an as a taken as a whole, social media is not a net benefit to the human race. I think currently <laughs> I, I just i'm not seeing it so i think i think it could be i don't I, I i don't necessarily agree with that i mean i think mm -hmm. that the internet you know lost some of its its original purpose uh when we when we moved away from this empowerment you know aspect right of the internet right I, is that it's I supposed to empower individuals social media I, I i think the internet is a net plus but social mm -hmm. media not so much. I, I just not. I'm not seeing it. When you've got, have you ever seen TikTok? I mean, it's. <laughs> I try to avoid oh my TikTok. god! It's where but what we're doing right out. now is technically still social media, right? It's just different configuration. And we are not worth a damn. So, podcasting. <laughs> <laughs> that was one of the original ways to do it, right? And I, I actually haven't, haven't explained to my kids why it's called podcasting. Do you guys, do you guys remember? Are you guys even old? And I, I have no idea. I'm, old I'm 37. Alex, so. Yeah, I remember. Okay. <laughs> Back yeah. in my because my, my kids something called an iPod. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's so crazy. So that's yeah, how one piece of technology literally started an entire genre of entertainment. It's kind of wild, right? Yeah, no, I could cool. certainly imagine someone like my daughter be like, "Why is it called a podcast? It's just I'm just listening to a to audio show or on my phone or on my laptop or on my my iPad or whatever." So. Yeah. Yeah. All those right. questions are coming for us. Like, why do they say it's rolling mm -hmm. up the windows? Oh, right. No <laughs> to kids these days. So I go back to those. I'm a big fan of mechanical car parts, man. Everything. Uh, everyone's going to be pretty soon. Eh? It makes me. Did so you see the latest thing where someone tried to ask Tesla to shut off the Teslas that are in Russia? <laughs> oh, really? Rem remote shut off. Oh, oh, there you go. Right, they can shut they can down shut down off down your down money down. and they can shut off your car. <laughs> how how does that stop the Russian army invading Ukraine though? Is the Russian no, no, no. at this point? Did you, and then the other one was that uh, Putin, right? The Canadian, you you know this, but Doug, Doug you're Canadian or Jeff? No, I'm Jeff is Canadian. Hey, Jeff hey, is Canadian. Every time, do oh, I sorry. sound Canadian? I got no, no. I'm just yeah, I'm not. I'm not even knowing who I'm talking to. It's just. I'm just I, looking I at the screen, and like... it's it's audio lines. So 
<laughs> so, we so should Jeff, ask you're, Al, yeah, you're in Alex, Alberta. Where, I'm in Alberta. Yeah. Where Where are you uh, located, if you don't mind? Out sharing. in the Pacific Northwest. Yeah, I, I grew up um, near Seattle, okay. Redmond, Bellevue area, and uh, and then met uh, my, my now wife in college at Duke University, and she was from Texas, so she kind of brought me back to Texas. We hung out in North Carolina for a little bit after college, but then... Um, yeah, my daughter was born down in the Dallas area, uh, West Plano kind of area. So you're in Texas right now? No, no, we, we moved back, uh, up here to, to my home state. So I'm on, um, uh, the Olympic Peninsula, uh, okay. 2018, we moved up to Squim, Washington. So it's, it's beautiful out here. We have a place we rent that, uh, has access to the Dungeness Spit, uh, hiking, uh, bald eagles, all sorts of, uh, you, cool. I'm sorry. Did you just say Stuff. Dungeon of Spit? No, no. It's called the Dungeness Spit. It's one of the longest naturally formed spits of um, sand uh, out into the Strait of Juan ah, de Fuca. Okay. It's, so it's Dungeness. Okay. Yeah, the Dungeness uh, crab is named after the Dungeness Bay. Um, there's tons of crab crabbing and crabbers. You can go to the Costco here and actually buy a crab pot. Oh. Uh, at the Costco because everyone does it. Um, really, yeah, I don't. Okay. I'm kind of new in town, so <laughs> right I have Moving I got invited out. out once, but yeah. No, it's it's a really cool area. We we had done a lot of research on Washington State before moving up uh, because I wanted to kind of best foot forward uh, show my wife one of the really cool areas or li- live here for a little while. So we found a cool private school. We found some different stuff, and because we have remote jobs, we had to find Gigabit that was rural. There's a lot of requirements, and she being from Texas, you know, was going to miss the sun if we were going to be in the dreary, you know, Seattle, Northwest, Pacific yeah. Northwest, you know, <laughs> type of weather. And so um, I had this memory of, wait a second, there's this special anomaly in Washington State where um, the Olympic mountains block all the moisture, and there's it's, it's called the blue hole. That's the uh, rain shadow that it casts. So there's no rain. Uh, in this one valley called the Squim Valley, and so that's that's where we moved. It's like a little piece of Texas and Washington State. So. Oh wow! All right, cool. Yeah. What is okay? I'm curious. Then I have mm-hmm. no idea, dude. I, I the thing that fascinates me about the states is the different um, political like ways. All the different states can be so different. So what what a uh, color is Washington State then? I guess. You're muted. Oh, up. sorry. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> um, no, I mean, this is definitely the left coast. I think the thing that's, um, I mean, I grew up conservative. My uh, parents are both Republican. And so there was this aspect of growing up in Seattle where you were always felt a little in a combative state with a dominant liberal narrative uh I joined a debate team and I was sort of the token conservative that they could put forth in, in debates <laughs> in my in my high school uh, debate team for the conservative side. So they'd be like, oh, we have no one to debate the conservative side. Call Alex. And I'd have like three or four in a row at a, at a debate convention at <laughs> or something. You're just standing night. there battling all the communists. <laughs> yeah, just one after another. It's like, and, and people would come up to me afterwards and be like, I literally had never even thought the thought that you said. And I was like, wow, <laughs> how, how can you not? I mean, I, but yeah. 
Yeah, once you think trying to give a different perspective. (laughs) God, that's what's so funny, man. As soon as you take a second to think about politics, you move very far away from the left. (laughs) But people just don't think about it. That's anybody that's on the left just isn't thinking. That's that's what I'm trying to say. It's so well. A lot of it is predicated on this sort of niceness first, right? Is that if they there's this perception of it being it's going to be nice if people do this, then then it must be okay, you know, but the unintended consequences, which libertarians love to focus on, and rightly so, um, are, are really important to me, because the reason we have unintended consequences is actually scientifically valid uh, to look at a complex system and see that you can want to do all these really good things and then have it go horribly wrong. <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. It's, it's um, something our politicians seem to either know in the back of their mind that they can they can cause these awful outcomes um by by overregulating by doing all this stuff or maybe they're just stupid i think it's it's either stupidity or malice it's or, or a little bit of both but we end up with with bad consequences either way so. yeah i think i think that's i fall really more cool. on the uh, the malice side than the <laughs> I, I, I fall on the stupidity do. man i think it's mm-hmm. i think it's people with yeah malice at the top and then stupidity at the bottom and then you have communism <laughs> dude so, like the average yeah. the average state rep makes something like 120 to 160 thousand dollars a year and these people go in broke and they come out millionaires multi multi-millionaires that's malice dude that's that's i don't give a crap i just want to i just yeah Yeah. so straight up corruption yeah and you know so we see all the funny memes on twitter uh around uh i guess you don't anymore but sorry to rub it in but around pelosi (laughs) (laughs) but i i mean there are going to be other social media platforms for you uh Right. Someday, Someday. Someday someone will make Without something the censorship that we're dealing with by AWS. Yeah, <laughs> we will see. We will it, see what is this impervious to. AI that's coming out at the next Bitcoin Miami? Isn't that? Oh, I'm excited. Yeah, I saw that. What is I'm that? very excited about this this piece of tech. You guys, if you get audience, if you haven't heard of this, there's a. I'm not real familiar. It's a browser, myself. right? Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure it's a browser, I but think it's, it's got like all the goodness of like. Yeah, it's it's really good stuff. You guys really need to look it up. It's imper- impervious AI. Um, I'll try to put a link Request in if I remember. Request early access. So that's Q1. Yeah, April seventh. Uh huh. So, I'm just looking at their website right now. Yeah. It's gonna come out. Yeah, it'll be launched yeah, on top at of uh, Bitcoin 2022. Yeah, I think oh, it's more than just a browser. It's gonna be well. It's but it's a browser on. I think it's on layer three of the Bitcoin network, isn't it? Well, it's like it the first that thing here. that's layer yeah. three. Well, it says layer one, layer two, and then impervious will be layer three. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's so, what it says. I don't know what that means. I'm not particularly technical. My, my wife's the coder. My dad's a coder. Um, you know, I've grown up, <laughs> I've lived around coders, but um, I'm, I'm more in the sales and marketing side of, of the tech industry. And uh, I actually right now I'm working with, the biz dev team at my wife's employer, Martian Craft, which does iPhone app development. And so um, we both work remotely for them. And it's a really cool gig. And basically just always looking for new opportunities to build out iPhone um, apps. Uh, well, that's cool. For them, yeah. 
But in terms of politics, that's one of the reasons I, I just hang out on Twitter and, and talk Bitcoin and talk politics and talk to my interests because, you know, how else are we going to meet people uh, and socialize uh, during uh, a time like this? I was like, I'm not getting out very much. So, uh, and this is a pretty rural area where I live. So this is my, my kind of connection to the world and to staying in touch with people who share my interests. So. Right on, man. So important. So important for Bitcoiners to find Bitcoiners, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Alex, I'd love to know, okay, I'm going to put you up to the test here. See, my theory with uh, with why Bitcoin is important, I think the best way to explain it to people or to at least let people understand why it's important is to have individuals explain how they came to find Bitcoin, why it's important to them, Uh basically your Bitcoin story or so I'd love to hear yours. You can go into as much or as little detail as you'd, as you'd want where, where how sure. you found it. And then also just if there was any true aha moments that hit and you're like, Oh, this, because I think those are the things mm-hmm. that really hit new people to the space that the, that, that can help them realize why Bitcoin is so important. So yeah, you have the floor, man. Let us absolutely. Us. Well, I'll try to keep it, compressed because it's it's not a particularly long story uh i say this sometimes on, on my twitter spaces too which has has been really fun to do um in the, the the audio aspect the kind of ad hoc uh podcasting um the awareness that i had of bitcoin as a solution to the problem of central banking came way back and so i have i have more than a few regrets about not taking the time to understand why you would buy it and hold it over a long period, um, as opposed to just waiting until it becomes the money, you know, because in my head I was like, well, if that's true, then it will either become the money and then I'll just have that as my money in the, at some point in the future, or it will peter out or it will get regulated with, you know, the, the, the normal kind of, pre-coiner, no-coiner doubts that you have. Um, but the uh, way back in 08, I was uh, amped up for Ron Paul's campaign uh, in college, or was it 07 that he ran? Anyway, it was somewhere in there. And so I was still a college kid. And I remember knowing either as I was leaving university or something like that, I, was, I remember knowing about Bitcoin very early. And I, I don't even remember where I heard about it or, or how, and, you know, to have known about it that long and not gotten any, um, I do regret that. And then I heard about it again when the price was, was, um, running up from my friend who had found some, uh, a friend of mine back here in Seattle had found some that he had mined in an old miner under, a uh, under the sink in his, in his house or something like that. Hmm. And, he, he was like, oh, I'm going to send it to Mt. Gox and, and cash out. It was right near a price spike, a localized price spike, I think, what, 2013 or something. So he was calling to let so me good. know he was doing this. And then he got, I, I got the kind of real-time live blow-by-blow of him getting goxed. He was in the oh, midst no. of trying to send in a large amount and request it back out as, as dollars because he didn't, he thought it was a bubble at that time, you know, that it wasn't. So he wasn't going to huddle it, you know, <laughs> huddle it. He, he was 
he was giving me the blow by blow. Okay, I'm sending it in. I was, uh, this is going to be a lot of money at that time. And um, yeah, 2013 or whatever it was. And then it got caught up in the in the Japanese bankruptcy. Um, yeah. that, so that that those funds just evaporated. And so he's I mean, telling me that wrong story, and I'm realizing, wait a second, this is. And then the the price came back down. So I was thinking, okay, wait a second, this is never going away. This might have bubbles and busts, but it's never because it's indestructible. That's when I started to get a sense of you know, that indestructibility aspect of it, um, and and that we were going to maybe go through cycles. I guess, and a lot of Bitcoiners talk about the cycles, um, which I think is important. For, for newbies to understand, that's kind of why you DCA is because it's it can hurt you in fiat terms, right? <laughs> yeah. um, so there was that in my head, and then it was I guess because I'm I'm less technical, I never thought oh I should really figure it all out and do some mining and do all of this stuff. Um, I always saw it through a lens of well if this can be used to uh, halt inflation and central banking if it can be used properly as a libertarian tool and politically and everything uh to do that then i'd be all for it and so my concern was always okay but if it's still um going to be caught up in the surveillance system that you know nsa and snowden all this stuff had been happening so I, that that was my kind of hesitance to to care too much about it as opposed to caring about precious metals or caring about the traditional things that libertarian uh or austrian minded folks care about right so were you yeah. so were you actively uh investing in gold and silver at that time uh so the the trajectory for me well i i cared about it i wouldn't say actively investing because i was more focused on myself and my and having a normal like career and mm -hmm. so I'm very naturally entrepreneurial, so I was trying to do things like, I don't know, figure out how to set up an LLC. So I had a little LLC out of college, and then with my fiance at the time, we were trying to do it as a little consulting business. So you know, it is true what they say: you got to invest in yourself. So you've got, mm -hmm. uh, you know, all sorts of skills that you can bring to bear. Uh, so I would do social media strategy documents and things like that as part of our little consulting company, uh, mom and pop. Uh, <laughs> consulting company and then we moved back to her home state and this would have been when my daughter was was born in 2011 uh over there in in uh in texas and so uh basically it's just life comes at you fast and i was working a little bit on my dad's financial research company that launched his app on bloomberg uh my wife got a, a gig with a with a, an I, a formal, formal iPhone app consultancy in Dallas uh, for a while. And so I was actually in the role of stay-at-home dad for a little bit with my, with my daughter. So that was a beautiful time. And uh, yeah, I, just, I was doing a mishmash of different things, doing sales on Bloomberg for my dad's app, which is a, a, a traditional finance forecasting app um, over at Parallax Financial Research. And he's been doing that decades. So that kind of... I had a front row seat to the fear bubble that happened post 2008 because his analytics actually picked up on a large time scale, the gold top, um, which now after having come off, we know we're heading to new heights in gold again. So I, you know, I would only have ever been interested in doing like a, I don't know, a futures trading account if I'd had the money for it, which, or some kind of day trading account. And I quickly realized how oh, to do that, you have to 
have 25k you have to have all this stuff set up and, and time to just sit and day trade so i wasn't really doing trading my dad never really got into to full-time trading either he just wanted to do the research publish it and, and have clients for that so in terms of understanding uh bitcoin it, it really got to a much later to a point where I realized that it was more of a political statement than anything else to buy the stuff. And then it all clicked for me. And I think a lot of people give me pushback on that because they want Bitcoin to be apolitical. Um, but that's kind of my message that I bring to Twitter and to a lot of those spaces is that there, there's never an opt out to politics because you get, you know, my mom used to say, you get more than two people in a room, you've got politics. So there's, there's no magical way for other people to not matter if you're in a society or if you're in any interaction. Uh, and so what you have to essentially do is you have to, to dovetail the two things, the original values of Satoshi and what we're trying to do with introducing a new money that can't be inflated away um, is to basically go back to first principles and say, okay, Keynes and FDR basically set a lot of this post-World War II stuff up, you know, and said, and then it got reaffirmed by these neoclassical economists. And, and my degree is, is in econ, my undergrad degree is in econ. Hmm. And so I know that, you know, the textbooks everybody reads says, this is, this is how it ought to be. This is how it is. This neoclassical program is good for everyone. A little bit of inflation is good for everyone. There's a lot of hand-waving and justification in traditional economic um, training that people go through in order to prepare them to kind of be these, these advisors and policymakers and to get into the system, into the, the sort of fiat system. So I rejected all of that from the perspective of really feeling that it was unfair that money could be lent into existence and everything that Ron Paul you know, spoke in my ear in college while I'm taking the, these econ classes and I'm watching videos of Ron Paul and trying to reconcile that and fighting with my Duke professors about it. You know, that was, that was very much in my head the entire time I was um, thinking about Bitcoin and trying to, at, at one point I said to some friends of mine, you know, uh, I'll go all in on Bitcoin the day I walk into a grocery store and I, instead of being able to hand them dollars for a gallon of milk, they want Bitcoin for it. You know, I kind of had that as my red line. Um, it's going to be way but, too late, man. Way too late. <laughs> and then a lot of people gave me flack for that. It's like, oh, well, that'll be way too late. It's like, yeah, but it'll be very stable at that point. That Then it will be the money. And I don't need all this complexity where, I don't know, um, you, you, make a huge speculative investment. That was my mindset at the time. Like I said, a huge speculative investment. And then let's say you, you cut it for fiat and then you have a big capital gains tax uh, that you have to go report. Um, it's, it's the right kind of problem to have. I get that. You want to make money. Uh, but Bitcoin makes you ask that question of like, well, what is money, right? Like the uh, Breedlove podcast, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so if the way that your unit of account works is that you're always coming back to how many dollars you have, because that's what you pay the taxes in and that, you know, or book your capital gain or whatever, then it's, it, it's not really, it's not really a, a, an argument about this is the new currency or this is the new money, uh, medium of exchange, unit of account, all those things. 
So I really do believe now in hyper-Bitcoinization. So that's what I, I crossed that threshold in terms of stuff I'd read and, and really understood. I, I really do believe that, you know, <laughs> the only way to even postpone hyper-Bitcoinization is for the central banks to stop inflation targeting. Because how can you, how can you do anything else? Right? The people of the planet are going to look at this and say, why would I want my money to be this thing that melts by design? Right. Mm -hmm. it's a, it's, they're literally telling you, and they got much more explicit after the 2008 financial crisis where Bernanke said, uh, oh, no, we're going to use the language now explicitly that there's a 2% inflation target. And they didn't used to do that. They, didn't, they said, hey, our mandate is price stability. But now they, they use that language. Oh, everyone on Wall Street front runs it. You know? So they didn't, they didn't aim for 2% before, before the 2008 crash? I didn't know that. This is new to me. They used to Ber just say Bernanke just introduced that. Yeah, Bernanke introduced uh -huh. that. So it's only and been... messaging matters, you know, that kind of messaging, because the, the Wall Street firms front run that. And you can see that on Bloomberg TV. You know, you have people who the Fed is their beat. And so they sit and they listen for any little sneeze or cough coming from any central banker anywhere. Um, and then the big pandemic crisis hit and they dropped the reserve ratio to zero. I don't know how many people know that. It's, it's on their website. I brought, brought mm. it up before I came on the show. Um, they dropped that to zero in order to keep credit flowing to households, quote unquote. Can you explain um, what that means to, to anybody? Sure. Um, <laughs> you know, me and, Doug, me and Doug try and explain this thing simply what it means to drop credit, uh, the interest rate to zero. Maybe you can explain it in a simple term. Oh, well. Um, the interest rate is a different thing. Now, this is oh, yeah, yeah, uh, so they have different levers, right? Is that this is the reserve ratio itself? That, um, yeah, that's what I meant. Sorry, reserve. Right, uh, but they they did. They basically dropped uh, rates to the lower bound, and then they this whole argument ensued with the European Central Bank about uh, whether or not America could could handle negative interest rates, uh, the the NERP negative interest rate policy. So there's ZERP and there's NERP, and we, we don't have a structure in place to even really do NERP, but the EU does, right? They can literally, and Elon Musk was on saying, yeah, my, my Tesla bank account in Europe has, shows all my euros, and then they just disappear every month because I, <laughs> there's a negative interest rate being applied to the account. <laughs> it's, it, it's basically a penalty for having money that's in, inherent in the banking system. So you have to get out there and spend it, spend it, spend it as fast. They're trying to induce higher velocity behavior in people forcibly. So it's financial repression. Uh, but yeah, anyway, in terms of uh, the fact that the reserve ratio itself went to zero, it means that when you go to get a loan at a local bank, anyone who's got a bank charter has this magical power to print money or to lend money into existence. So it's not printing. Even if you swipe a credit card, you've just actually sort of lent or borrowed money into existence because mm -hmm. that, those digits have never existed in any database before. So when you drop the reserve ratio to zero, what it means is that uh, I would call it a divide by zero error, you know, system fully breaking. But what it means is that they don't have to have anything in terms of deposits in theory. They don't have to have even have depositors. You go, you could go to a bank branch at that point, and be only lenders. I mean, only borrowers walking in the door. Just hey, give me a mortgage. Oh, what's your credit score? Okay, it's this. Okay, what's your income? Okay, uh, here's a mortgage. 
you know, pay the, and then they go look in the vault or on their, on their servers or whatever. And hardly anyone would even have to be saving money with them in order for them to do basically infinite mortgages, car loans, whatever. Right. You know why this drives me nuts? See, Alex, we're trying to talk to like, I'm talking to people that don't know. So you were an econ student. This seems to be a, a recurring theme to Bitcoiners. Me personally, I didn't know shit about money. I didn't know anything. I was a kid that got a credit card at 18 <laughs> and figured, okay, well, I'll spend money on a credit card to get my credit rating up or whatever, because that's the mm-hmm. right thing to do. And over time, it's like, okay, I have a credit limit of a thousand bucks. And then a couple of years pass. Oh, the bank says now I can have a credit limit of $2,000 in a couple of years pass. Oh, now I can have a credit limit of $5,000 and it goes on and on. And all the while, not understanding how money works, I'm like, I must be doing something right. They keep giving me money, more money. They must trust me more. But really what's happening, these banks are just like, if we give this person more money, then they create their own money. It it, uh, it makes me mad thinking about it. It's like they didn't <laughs> have that money to lend. I just create right, right. money for them, <laughs> and then I pay it back, and then they just made money out of nowhere. Like just on the individual right. level, it's extremely aggravating to know that that's how that system works. Like that's just one <laughs> of the little things I'm trying to help people realize. Well, right. But, yeah. If you if you as an individual went across the street to your neighbor and you said, you know what, with me, you've got a $10,000 credit line. I think you're great. You know, like, oh, wow. Okay. Um, so uh, what does that mean? <laughs> like, well, go and go and spend that. And like, spend what? <laughs> you haven't given me anything. <laughs> it's like, well, you know, I like the cut of your jib. <laughs> it's like, it doesn't matter. You don't have a bank charter. It's, you don't know. You haven't issued me a, a, a credit card that touches this magical credit line that you just said that you, right? That's, it's not a thing. Uh, and so I like to give the example of if you had a, a base money that was fully existing, and I, I use, like to use the word extant, even though I don't know if I'm misusing it, but it's just this extant base money of Bitcoin or gold or something with absolute or relative scarcity. So if you take a gold bar that's physically in your hand, and you walk to your next door neighbor and you say, here's this gold bar neighbor, you're great. Um, I'm handing it to you as a loan and I would like whatever it is, big gold bar, hundred ounces or something. I would like this plus 5%, you know, so right, five ounces of interest (laughs) in -hmm. gold back when you're done spending it and doing, starting a small business with it or whatever, right? And so that would make sense. But then no new money was created in that transaction. So that's fundamentally different from what happens in, in the system we have now. Uh, the debt is money and the money is debt. So when, when M1 and M2 and the entire money supply expand, it's because people are borrowing it into existence. And so in some sense, the only real savings account you have is your credit score because you have to stay out ahead of inflation. So you obviously have to borrow faster and at a cheaper interest rate than, than uh, your neighbor than, you know, from the system. And if they cut you off from the system, you're basically being depersoned, which is what Bitcoiners are trying so hard to fight against that kind of tyranny. So it's, again, a political statement saying that this is fundamentally wrong, the way that our entire money system works, and we can do better than that.
you know, that there's got to be a better way. The technologists have found a better way, and that's Bitcoin. So yeah, but they're they're up against a lot, aren't they? I mean, when it comes to we are as Bitcoiners, we are up against a ton. Uh, your mention of gold made me think of a video I saw last week. Uh, there's a guy named Mark Dice. He does like those interview on the street kind of things, you know, goes up and asks people like he did one um, <clears throat> a couple yeah. of weeks ago. I forgot what it was. He, he went up and asked his some celebrity. Oh, it was Joe Rogan, I think. He was he was trying to target Joe Rogan, right? It's, and he's he's spoofing, obviously, but he was like, so two three weeks ago, he was going around asking people, "Hey, sign this petition to get Joe Rogan off of Spotify because he killed the Triceratops in Africa, oh, yes. right?" So he does like these really goofy goofy things, you know. But last week, oh, when he actually said like, Triceratops, that's what he yes, said. He yeah. said to like, try to trick several, them into yeah, like oh, and people signed. People like, yeah, oh like, yeah, Triceratops. Got, wow, yeah. We, we got to save the triceratops. We can't this, have Joe Rogan. This is like asking where people where Ukraine is. Have you seen yeah. some of those maps? Yeah. So nobody yeah. knows. And the exactly. less they know about where it is, the more they want us to intervene. <laughs> right. Exactly. So last week, he walked around with a bunch of ten dollar bills and a one ounce gold coin, and he was walking around in front of a gold exchange, and he was asking people, okay. "If I offered you a ten dollar bill or a one ounce gold coin." Which would you have? And people hands down, like it was a 20 minute video and it was just person after person after person took the $10. Like people just oh have no, God. yeah, not a single person that I saw. Maybe I missed it. Cause you know, I do dishes while I listen to this stuff or whatever, but yeah. And, and so, and the funny part was he was telling them afterwards, like, so you really wanted this $10 and, like, and he's like, yeah, well, yeah. And the answer always almost invariably was, well, I can spend $10. <laughs> And he's like, yeah, but you could have taken like this $1,800 coin right oh, over fuck. there and gotten $1,800, like, within five minutes, you know? Oh. And then some people were like, well, it's because it was a Canadian gold coin, I guess. So they Doesn't were like, That's the yeah, right, but they were like, well, it's, it's Canadian money, so what is it even worth? You know, like, it was oh, the amount of ignorance when it comes to money is oh. astronomical. And, like, Jeff, That's I awful. didn't see any of this until about a year and a half ago. Yeah. Right. Until I started paying attention and so I, I decided I don't understand this. And instead of being scared of it, I'm going to learn about it, you know, and it's like, but that's what Bitcoiners are up against. That's what it's like this, this mass hypnosis, this just like this extinction level ignorance is just so rampant. You know, it's, it really is. It's just mind numbing. It really is. <laughs> so, yeah. so, okay. <laughs> Let me just say. I'm watching uh, I'm watching this show called Parks and Rec at night. It's very funny. There's a guy called Ron Swanson. Have either? Oh seen yeah, the show he's before? the libertarian. Yeah, I've seen I've, I've so, seen Ron Swanson. Okay, so I did, yeah, so he's awesome. So there's this one scene where he's trying to buy a boat, and he goes to the boat salesman, and he's got gold. And the guy's like, "I want this boat," and he's like, "I can't take your gold." He's like, "Yes, you can. I will give you this gold. You will give me the boat. This is how a transaction works." And he just like gets this big grumpy look on his face. I'm like, "This is how I feel. This is how I feel. It doesn't make sense. Make it make yeah. sense, man." So yeah, this is this awesome. is this is. I don't know. What do you think the average? Like, what do you think the ninety? Eight percent of the population still thinks like that. Maybe. What do you yeah, think? People are stupid. like. What would you put as a percentage of normies out there? Is how how far do we have to go? Still, is the question on the well, table right now, let, gentlemen. 
Let me ask you this then. Okay, Alex, you're a libertarian. How many mm -hmm. libertarians are there in America? Like, is there a percent? Is that like a percentage number that you know that's calcul calculatable? Well, uh, no, I don't know stats for you on some reputable source, but I, I do follow the Libertarian Party's national account. I do kind of voluntarily just shill for them because why not? I just I believe that everyone should just join the Libertarian Party. But it seems so, like it seems so, uh, like that libertarian mindset is uh, most of those people are looking at the money because it's yeah. one of the first things you need to realize is, yes. hey, yeah. the government controls the money. I don't like the government, so I don't like the government's money. But there's well, so the thing is, is you don't have to dislike government as a notion or something, which you don't have to necessarily go full anarchist for it I, to make sorry, sense. I make a lot of uh, assumptions. That's on me. No, that's okay. I, I, I guess I'm saying is that anyone whether you're liberal conservative anarchist anyone can sort of say wait a second i don't think the money should be a psychological control mechanism because that's what it is mm -hmm. and so yeah. as soon as you decide that the money shouldn't be a, a direct control mechanism and they try to abstract that or, or, or hide that somewhat but um you know because in, in the thing they're they're controlling is the um, incentive structure, the kind of what we talk about with low and high time preference, right? And maxi spaces. So the, the incentive structure, when you have lukewarm uh, core CPI inflation, meaning, oh, average American citizen going into the grocery store in their basket of goods, which never is exactly how they measure it, and they fluff it and do all sorts of things with it. But when you're running inflation at any non-zero number, Right. You're putting pressure on your citizens that they did not vote for. Mm -hmm. You're you're unilaterally putting pressure on them via the mechanism of a number and the price number for things that they need to survive. Right. And so that's manipulative. And it's it's done without our permission. It's I've already said that, but it's like it's done without us voting in the Fed Board of Governors. It's done without. I mean, yes, maybe some of the people would be appointed by an elected U.S. president. But the thing is, is that if we can't talk about it, you know, if no Democrat uh, nominee or Republican nominee ever comes up and talks about the Federal Reserve because they've, I guess, been paid off to never talk about it uh, or something, then it will never get addressed. And so the Bitcoiners are essentially saying, we're a cohort of people that is so frustrated with central banking worldwide that we are willing to you know, push on an entirely different approach to money until you pay attention to us. And I think that's what people are not really realizing is when they convert to Bitcoin as their currency, that's a political statement. And it's a really powerful one because people want to have money, right? If you go to the average person, like you were saying, and you said, do you, you know, do you want US dollars? Like, is that the US dollars do you have? Do you want to keep them, right? Or do you want to, I don't know, gamble them away, or do you want to get rid of them, or you don't want to light them on fire, right? <laughs> it's like, what do you want to do with these U.S. dollars? They say, well, no, they have value. They're my currency or my country or something. They've, they've been conditioned to see it this way, and they even have this sort of faux patriotism around, well, it's my nation's currency, or if you're in Canada, it's my nation's currency, and that means I'm a good person or something. And it's like, well, but the entity that controls and manipulates the value of that currency is not even a, a group of elected people. Right. And so and so why should we 
associate any sense of national pride with what they do to the money, right? Uh, it's so because we, it's because it's what they've what grown up with, dude. That's what it is. I mean, it's just yeah. they're going by rote. I mean, not to not to put too fine a point on it, but people are. I have oft I have believed for a very long time that people are creatures of inertia. We go along mm-hmm. because that's the way we've been going, and yeah. it is really hard. And it's something that Jeff and I have really. I struggled with it a lot, like at the beginning, and Jeff was less attached, I think, to his government than I was, so it was easier for him to break that mentality. Yeah, so Jeff, never, go ahead and. and I've never been Jump on it if you want. No, I've never yeah. been a fan of government. I've always thought it was stupid. I've never been, um, oh, what's the word? Patriotic. Like, I don't care, man. It's just land. I just was by chance, random chance, was born here. So why do I care about well, this country? Mm-hmm. That, that, that's been my that's been my view. I know that's right. not everybody's Right. Oh, and that's fair. And that's fair. You know, and, and from my aspect, it was, was I, believe, I believe in freedom. I always have believed in freedom. And I think that this, my country is the best, well was the best place to <laughs> obtain that you know like i i really did believe in this this concept of the american dream where anybody you know because I'd, I'd met families like i have friends whose families came here from other countries and they started off with basically nothing and they you know they ended up owning businesses and and also and their children were better off than they were and and like so i believe i still do i i'm not gonna shy away from that i still think that freedom is the best single way for any person to uh make their lives better if they are Mm -hmm. given freedom i think people generally gravitate towards making their own life better um and i think for i think for a long time america was that place i think now we have you know uh core top uh core i can't say Uh, i know what you're talking about Corporatocracy. Yeah, that's it. Oh, you know, the corp- yeah, yeah. The corp- you know, corp- we have we we have basically the government chooses winners and losers, and your best bet now is to just try to stay off their fra- their radar. You know, like that's that's the best you can do, in, in my opinion. But I don't know, man. I I, I still think that. Uh, well, I know it's it's hard. It's it's really hard to to mount well, a defense. You know, I don't against... know if I answered the Bitcoin journey question uh, as much um, in, in terms of, you know, we're doing this podcast through my Bitcoin full node, a, a PC in my garage. <laughs> and, and so I got to a point where I, I had met so many cool people on Twitter during the pandemic that I was actively learning from that I decided, okay, I, I need to understand um, why someone would just download 350 gigabytes or whatever it is now. Um, you know, and use up hard drive space and do this. I mean, I, on the base level, and you know, I grew up in Microsoft land. Uh, so I got the PC download. So what, Everyone what class gave me a hard time. What's that? What class are you? In terms what of class what? Of, in class oh, of when did so I Jeff buy I, my first Bitcoin? Yeah, you know, I, I actually don't. Yeah, I don't remember if I was just buying it and then trying to use it in like 2018 can't remember if, if I did do it a little bit in 2018 or if it was only in 2019 that I was what I did was I discovered you could buy stuff on overstock uh, on the app on the overstock.com app so I don't know if that was 2019 that I found you could that buy and Bitcoin I thought, in overstock? no 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 that you can use the Bitcoin as payment okay, and so I was okay. like well it, this is getting closer to my original condition it was somewhere back 2018 2019 I was I was like well my original condition was that 
I want to see this being used as payment for regular things that I would actually need or use. And so I thought, okay, I'll, I'll go download whatever exchange app, you know, Coinbase or something. I'll go grab some and then I'll go spend it on Overstock just to just small amounts, just to do it, just to see how it works. Right. Mm-hmm. So it was, it was at that point. So it took me a while to get to the point where I, I wanted to just stack it you know, forever and ever. Amen. You know, um, so do you still so, feel like the most important thing about Bitcoin is the ability to trade it for for stuff? Or have you changed your mindset into just realizing that maybe it's just makes more sense to just hold it because everything else is... It, it just well, doesn't I make sense to, to hold any other one. Yeah, I came to a definition of, of maximalism uh, in all these Twitter spaces as I was listening in and then retweeting cool people, you know, kind of as the pandemic news cycle and at least through my lens i was i was reading more uh about the ridiculous monetary policy that had been done during the pandemic and how bitcoin fixes this and all of that so i was getting deep into that community and you know that world and and uh it dovetails nicely with liberty twitter who i retweet a lot too and so the the sort of uh triumvirate right of medium of exchange store of value and unit of account uh, all happening for Bitcoin means that you really have to have that full frame shift. And I think it's a really good frame shift for people to go through where you start to think about the average price of a house or the average wage level or what, you know, or as I often post the silver price because I kind of got really interested in the whole GameStop, Wall Street bets in a spectator sense, I mean, I bought one share of GME <laughs> just for solidarity, <laughs> but uh, and I'm never selling that one share. Uh, but uh, then I also got the uh, <clears throat> interested in the in the silver squeeze uh, thing too because that was sort of the, the the next act for some of these people on Reddit. It was to say, wait a second, this is also a manipulated market. And that's when it dawned on me that if we start pricing one of these core commodities like silver, particularly one that's been manipulated for very specific reasons, if that is true, which it's called a conspiracy theory, whatever. But if you start denominating it in sats, okay, that's kind of a profound protest. I don't mean to be self-congratulatory, but I mean, there's some really great accounts on, on Twitter right now, like priced in price and sats or whatever. There are a few different ones that I retweet where they're trying to show through APIs, they're trying to show what all the commodity markets would look like, all the equity markets would look like if you just price them in sats. And to me, that's going to be the purest alpha that there is. Because when you have big Bitcoin run-ups, like uh, after Biden got elected, you know, the run-up was explosive, right? Uh, Or whatever you think about that election <laughs> after Biden took power, uh, uh, you know, the run up well in Bitcoin well in dollar terms, right? You know, mm-hmm. the, in dollar terms, the Bitcoin run up was explosive. And so you have to then ask the question, okay, well, every money manager, so my dad has money manager clients who uses software forecasting and all sorts of good stuff, but they always benchmark themselves against the index. And the thing that we've, flagged basically at his company is is this mega bubble you know in inequities uh created by irresponsible monetary policy and so we're just on the first wave of of that just falling apart and the wheels coming off so i am a little bit of a doomer in that sense 
partly because of my dad's tools and his forecast. So, so the, the, the thing that's going to start to happen is that you're either going to get hyperinflation in the dollar or you're going to get a modern Great Depression. And it's looking like there's no in-between. <laughs> and so if there's no in-between, then, you know, they're going to kind of sleight of hand, probably embrace pretty high levels of dollar inflation somehow or another. They're just going to have excuses or ways to justify just running the whole thing way hot and saying, oh, well, we don't really know what to do or I don't know. Because I think they'll pull. I think they'll pull a Venezuela. You know, right. Where they just basically reissue a new dollar, you know, but it'll be worth, you know, a lot of zeros off of it. Yeah. 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 It'll be digital. A CBDC. Yeah. And it'll be digital. It'll be a CBDC. Mm -hmm. So, but listen, CBDCs Alex, I wanted, I wanted to ask you, you, you bring up some good arguments, but Jeff was talking to me before you came into the, to the studio here. And, um, he said that, you know, you're a libertarian. And I have to admit, I really don't understand. Can you give me or us, the audience, maybe a one or two minute? Like, don't don't flog the dead horse on it. Just just give us like a real brief. I like, ramble a lot. Sorry. No, no, that's I'm that's yeah. not what I'm saying. I'm saying what I don't <laughs> want is I don't want to to like go over every you know plank in the platform. Like I okay. wanna I I just want to like get an overview because I I have to admit I I kind of conceptually understand libertarianism. I think. But it still hasn't really, I consider myself to be a constitutional conservative. I really believe in the document. I really think gotcha. that it is one of the best uh, experiments in self-governance we've ever seen. We have strayed so far from it in 250 plus mm -hmm. years that it's not even recognizable. Like the, like the, the founding fathers would literally bitch, they would stand in line and wait to bitch slap all 330 million Americans for what we've done with their design, you know, with their They'd probably their be driving team. some of those trucks. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. yeah. <laughs> but so I consider myself to be a constitutional conservative. Mm -hmm. uh, so I, and Jeff is an anarchist. So maybe, maybe the best way to kind of pitch it or not pitch it, but explain it is to sort of bounce off of those two, kind of extremes you know like it, what what is libertarianism especially based on those two takes you know anarchism and constitutional conservatism because they're all sure. very Great close question. to similar right like yeah i don't know well, yeah yeah um, go, ahead. go ahead you know i see it through a i i see it through a kind of almost partisan lens in the sense that i've, I've given up on the idea that we can have very pure conversations about just philosophy and politics or, or, or something uh, that is that is the, the reason I bring this up is because uh, when you vote for a Republican or vote for a Democrat, it feels like nothing's going to happen because in terms of real change, right? Because over a period of time, we've seen greater and greater corruption in both parties. And but we're stuck with a system that uh, really always evolves and I won't say devolves, but it always converges onto party politics in the United States. And that may not um, be as true, you know, in Europe, they have coalition governments and things like that. But um, the, the reason is that I had to make kind of a conscious decision. I didn't have to, but I, I, I felt strongly enough about, um, yeah, I was a Republican having conversations with my parents, Republicans, about, uh, oh, who are we going to vote for in 2016, okay? And Marco Rubio was looking okay to me, and just in terms of how he'd position against Hillary and that sort of thing. So uh, 
I came at it from a pragmatic standpoint when when I I guess I basically just be described as an ever Trumper uh, or in the sort of George F. Will, you know, conservatism is about preserving liberty and avoiding strong men or, or those types of authoritarian minded people. Um, so that's what you're conserving when you're being conservative. And so his entire approach, his entire demeanor was not going to be effective. It was going to drain credibility away from the party. Uh, so I went back to people that I had supported in college, like Ron Paul, you trying to use the Republican Party to be a libertarian uh, Republican, basically, uh, nominee. I said, you know what? He tried and he couldn't make it happen because it was too corrupt. So I'm just going to say I'm going to become a card carrying third party member right now and just kind of be all about it <laughs> going forward. Uh, and that if somebody who's my friend, you know, who isn't quite on the same page as me, but also hates corruption and loves America, wants to go and join the Green Party, I would say, sure, but please leave the Democrats, please, you know, just join anything except the Democrats or Republicans, because they're just obviously bought and paid for. They're so freaking corrupt. And I just got that sense in 2016 that, no, I'm not going to be a party to, there was all this talk about, you know, Trump being a Clinton buddy, you know, and that sort of thing. It all seemed very fake. And, and I don't know, I understand that it was sort of a, his rhetoric was like a little bit of a too good to be true for some conservatives. But at the same time, he would thread in rhetoric that sounded almost anti-constitutionalist or um, pro-authoritarian. And so it gave me the will, you know, I didn't want to vote for that at all. And I didn't really want to support a party that I, I thought, well, he shouldn't have, he was a former Democrat. So I was like, he shouldn't have even really been allowed to run in the primaries and the Republican primaries, uh, because this is sort of po classic populist demagogue rhetoric where he's just bringing people into the Republican party that have no business being in it because it's, and I, this may be very inflammatory to you both. You might love Trump and that's fine. But um, in terms of the rationale of someone who went full never Trumper like me. I mean, that was that was my thinking is that that to me turned me off to the GOP. There's no way I was going to the Democrats still captured by the Clinton machine from the 90s. And that was disgusting to me. So I th thought, okay, well, here's this this party that's been around since the 70s. That's got a chance to become something great and reflect true American values of, of shrinking the size and scope of government, which is what I thought conservatism was. And, uh, and and preserving liberty, you know, hey, we're the, the place that people run to from repressive regimes around the world. You know, we need to preserve that status as the freest place on earth and, and then lead by example, because you can't have the moral authority to go and prosecute any sort of other kind of, I don't know, intervention anywhere else in the world if you've got all these problems at home where you're repressing dissent or you're, uh, you know, essentially monitoring everybody through the NSA or something like that. Uh, yeah. So all those kinds of issues that just get hammered on really nicely, really well by the Libertarian Party every day of the week. And then you get nothing but, you know, corporate equivocating from the two major parties. So 
that's my well, okay kind let's, of let's yeah that's fair. my transition to being a full libertarian party member in a card carry that, that libertarian party as an entity hasn't done itself many favors right like don't you guys well, have i don't know i loved game? voting for gary johnson i love voting for joe jorgensen as i slept like a baby that Dude. maybe i'm just weird <laughs> you, you guys had you guys had vermin supreme as one of your primary runners like oh he's, he's funny come on dude he wears a boot on his head come on funny. <laughs> look well, i, I want to be one of the primary I, I runners like do. that's a low hanging fruit and just hang out you know because i wanted to yeah, actually run in the primary just to promote bitcoin maximalism inside the party. right and I, and you probably should honestly and and i don't really want to get into the you know trump versus vermin versus joe jorgensen because that's <laughs> that's that becomes a, a discussion of uh and unfortunately that's how politics are now right now it's mm -hmm. it's all cult of personality you know, that's that's kind it of what be. it's been. Yeah, it and be. it shouldn't be. I agree with that 100 percent. So I guess Obama the, was the, that, too. Yeah. People just absolutely. Was, was and just let's, some and sort let's of messianic honest. thing Bush, or something. Bush after 9-11 was called a personality. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, like, I mean, honestly, probably. What do you think? I mean, Ford. I mean, Carter kind of lost the luster because everyone hated Carter. But then Reagan picked it back up. I mean, yeah. Like, well, Reagan's one of my of, favorite presidents, yeah. And and you know, good or good or ill, that's fine. I mean, I I, I personally grew up loving the guy, but I've learned mm -hmm. a lot of stuff since then that I'm like, mm, yeah. Again, I call myself a constitutional conservative not because I want to conserve what we are today. I want to I want to conserve what the Constitution says we should be. You know, right. that's my 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 argument. And so I guess I guess my next question or discussion would be: so we got guys like Jeff. Who like, hey man, I don't really want any government in my business. Let, let me and let me you... let me ask a quick question because yeah, okay. the, the reason why I say I don't want you know just whatever this whole thing just doesn't work. Like you say, you're liber libertarian, and then you know the way the system works. It's almost like your vote just doesn't matter. Do you feel like your vote just you're just wasting it? Do you ever get that feeling? Because it seems like it's just a throwaway, and it like change never happens, and then. Um, well, yeah, I'm, I'm curious about that. And then also my other question yeah. I had was, is there anywhere, like anywhere globally that is run by a libertarian government or ever has been? Or is it always like one of the major other other ways? Like if a libertarian was in charge, it would just mean nobody's really in charge, which is just devolves. Or go, <laughs> well, am you, I wrong? Am someone I wrong? who's pretty libertarian conservative uh, up there in Canada, uh, Pierre, and I don't know how to pronounce his last name. Yeah, Olivier. Olivier yeah, Olivier. he's all right. Olivier, is that how to pronounce it? Yeah, yeah. I like and him. of course, Jordan Peterson, I think, says some things that are pretty darn libertarian. Uh, and he's he's been very vocal on, on Twitter throughout the Canadian crisis and the mm -hmm. whole thing. Um, in terms of what that governance would even look like, uh, it's it's really about, you know, there was one thing that Trump did that I will grant him was extremely libertarian, is that I remember watching some press conference where he stepped up and he said, we're going to tie some mechanism where every time you want to make a new regulation, you have to delete two old regulations. And I was like, yeah, that's 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 yeah. good that's good do that <laughs> you know because that's the thing is that when you have uh regulatory capture for large corporations the corporations get larger and more powerful right and so what that means essentially and and some of the really great commentators that i retweet like uh, hannah cox and uh, brad palumbo 
have a podcast that they talk about this. And uh, what happens is that corporations actually like regulation, like the Microsofts, the Coca-Colas, the, the IBMs, whatever. Uh, big, you know, old corporations, if they have lobbyists to basically write the rule book, but only they have enough money in the kitty to comply with the rule book, no new competition can come in and take their market share. Absolutely. So, so compliance becomes this thing that's sort of a, a uh, for biotech or whatever it is, compliance becomes this this big you know feather in your cap. Oh, I'm I'm totally compliant, or my compliance department has umpteen zillion attorneys, and we spend a billion dollars on it, or whatever it is, right? Well, of course, it's it, easy it, to comply too because crazy. they wrote the rules. So you know. Well, it's not necessarily maybe maybe they wrote it to where. It's like, I've got the one attorney who knows how to comply with this. So I'll write that in or something. I don't know. I don't know, right? They, it, it won't necessarily even make it easy to comply because they don't want a new startup to come up and, and dominate their market and come in and be more agile and dominate their market. They'd much rather have so much uh, cash on the books that they can just buy out that startup, right? Yeah. And yeah. so you have these uh, giant M&A forces where people are just creating startups literally just to be a R&D arm for Google or something, right? They're just creating tech startups with the intention of selling them. They get a little bit of seed round here and there in Silicon Valley or something. My wife and I did uh, this thing. It was a tech startup weekend, which is just, you just kind of got together with cool nerdy people and they do them all over the country. It started in Seattle, but they were doing one in Dallas. So we went and checked it out. And we learned some things there about, you know, this this the real world of VC money and how to do tech startups. And it really did seem like most of them were just gearing, um, spin up a little app. You know, they were gearing to try to get bought by Google or Microsoft. And that was kind of Fiat a thinking, man. deal. Fiat right. thinking, man. Well, because what you get in an overregulated economy is uh, is a lack of competition. And, and so I actually... Uh, you know, I have an interesting take on liber on uh, intellectual property law too. Is that it really does make it even worse, right? In terms of you know creating artificial monopolies in the tech sector, um, but that's a whole other topic. So, in terms of what it would look like if you had a libertarian person, we've had, I would say, the American founders were were libertarian. That's you know? what I think too. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would say that the American founders were very libertarian because what it is is it's just a new label for classical liberalism. You know, <laughs> right? No, it's a new label just... for the these old ideas that that aren't particularly old. We discovered them in the Age of Enlightenment. We discovered that liberty and focusing on that and acceptance of different religions, different creeds, different approaches, and having a melting pot—all of that was really great for society. And you. And, and not over-regulating it and telling people what to do, capitalism, being pro-capitalist, um, all these these things that now suddenly are controversial. It's like, no, that's like being and American. See, that's like, that's, <laughs> that's America. <laughs> you know? That's my point, is that you've got a guy like Jeff who mm -hmm. calls himself an anarchist. You've got a guy like me who says constitutional conservative. You've got a guy like you who's liberal or liber libertarian. Mm -hmm. And I guess my argument is, is like we're basically all on the same page. Mm -hmm. yeah. I, I think that I think that artificially divided nine yeah. out of every 10 ep issues, we would agree. Like, just forget about forget about the politician in question. Just mm -hmm. look at the policy. Right. We're going to. And this is actually interesting from the standpoint of Jeff and I, when we first started, I really thought Jeff was like 
this massive left-wing hippie. And so I was very cautious when we would talk because I didn't want to piss him off, you know, because we, you know, he's, he's my friend. I don't want to piss him off. You know, you don't talk politics with friends if, they, if you don't know mm-hmm. what their, their persuasion is or whatever. But he also, I think, has come a long way in terms of his, his Bitcoin journey has really opened his eyes in terms of that. And I guess my point is, is that I think Bitcoin does open your eyes on that level. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, if, if all the people whose eyes are being opened would kind of understand that so so like you hear this a lot in the bitcoin twitter spaces where it's like bitcoin is not political and it's like yeah but people are political and they're choosing bitcoin for political reasons you know and and to me that that should be emphasized bitcoin is freedom money so if you're libertarian you like freedom bitcoin's your money if you're a constitution, ugh, sorry, constitutional conservative, you like freedom. Bitcoin is your money. If you're an anarchist, you like freedom. Bitcoin is your money. And instead, I feel like we kind of snipe at each other and the libertarian. I, I, I've seen a lot of libertarians that are like, Bitcoin is just, is uh, uh, what do they call that? It's like state-sponsored surveillance money or whatever. You know, like they, they, they take it to that extreme or whatever. And then you got the anarchists that are like, we just want to, you know, whatever. I don't know. <laughs> It's Jeff. Let Jeff let Jeff speak to that. But you know what I'm saying? It's like we all like the freedom. We should focus on the freedom. Yeah. That should be the thing. You know? Not who's not who's running, you know, not whatever. What are their policies? You know well, what I mean? Well, I mean, but the issue of Bitcoin being speculative uh, is is just hammered on by the mainstream, right? And so that that question of oh well you're gonna do it and it's a it's a you're gonna lose all your money because it'll go to zero. Like all of this fear mongering around the uh, dollar price of Bitcoin is, it's very hard to combat a direct uh, fear mongering attack. I think the FUD attacks um, when you're trying to, to orange pill someone who's totally new to it. So I, I get in debates like Spencer Schiff has with Peter Schiff, I get in debates with my dad, you know, about it. And, and he. Oh, is your dad does, not a Bitcoiner? No, and and he oh, okay. he's concerned that you know I'm going to lose a lot of money because his definition of money is is, is the U.S. dollar, and so if right. I buy Bitcoin or stack Bitcoin, and and I think that's that's a concern of anyone who, particularly if you are in the business of forecasting bubble bust cycles, which is what my dad's software does, um, you know, you you get really concerned around tops that people are joining a frenzy. And, and a part of something that's unsustainable. So the NFTs, the shit coins, all the rest of it, I am 100%, you know, with the maxis in terms of warning everybody, you know, not to, to sink money into something that, that can go to zero. Uh, but it's really responsible what maxis do uh, in the Bitcoin space around DCA, because if you understand the peer-to-peer network structure, the way in which it's indestructible, um, yes, it maybe could be affected by regulations uh, in a very medium term, but the fact that it's this massively redundant, it's always going to exist. It's always going to be absolutely scarce. Um, It would be next to impossible to even change something fundamental about it, like the hard cap, right? So I ran this scenario by someone. It's like, well, if you could somehow capture every node runner and every miner at those human beings and like brainwash them to tell them to all agree on changing the cap or something. 
would that work? You know, and they were like, well, I guess you're thinking in terms of what it would take. It would be that level. Like, <laughs> you'd, you'd have to get them all um, or something to that nature. Like, I don't know that you'd have to get them all, but that would be, you know, Peter Schiff put out a tweet and I, I reply guide at him and I was like, he was like, oh, and the hard cap will just, or whatever, it's going to go to zero, whatever his FUD was, an anti-Bitcoin tweet. And I, I got in his replies and I said, well, you know, it's only going to be a fail to me if some, someone confirms to me that there's a way to break the hard cap um, or if that happens somehow by some mysterious method that, that the uh, absolute yeah. scarcity goes away. You know, that would be a critical failure for sure. I don't, I don't, yes, right. absolutely. That would, that would ruin it. That would That's be what he was weird. asking. He was asking what would, what would con concern Bitcoiners so much that they consider it like game over? Like, what's the critical failure and i would be like yeah well, if you can inflate would, bitcoin then you're, yeah. it's over it's it, it loses it loses 90 percent right. of any value it has right which i mean it's been mind-numbing to watch the doges and all the rest of it because obviously those are just getting printed like crazy and those are true pump and dump phenomena where where you know it's hard to believe that i mean i i used to trade penny stocks in college, you know, on, on, uh, when Zecco first came out, it was this zero cost commission that was competing with Scott trade. And I, I got a little account in college. I was like, well, I could trade penny stocks and, you know, for no commission for take very small positions in it. And so, yeah. you know, watching people get something, but that's at least a share of a company that's like, maybe, yeah, that would be my basement. Right. Something that's yeah. literally nothing. Right? Right. <laughs> it's like, yeah, <laughs> NFTs. Come on, guys. Seriously, NFTs. Well, let me ask. Let me ask you this then, Alex. Well, one more question, dude. We always mm -hmm. ask this question, and maybe mm -hmm. you'll be one of the first. Uh, I, in my Bitcoin journey, had a very short-lasting shitcoin phase where I thought, "Oh, these are interesting. Maybe I should get some of these." It lasted a short mm -hmm. time. Doug, I think I don't know. You know, he's a lost Six problem. Months. Like, still be doing it. Shut up! <laughs> Shut up! So, it's Alex, did, did did you have? I'm not gonna judge. I'm just. Did you have a shitcoin phase, Alex, uh, at all, or did you just realize Bitcoin is good, everything else is shit, and you never really dove into it until you realized that? You know, I think I think that the reason that I stayed away from Bitcoin as long as I did was because of alts even existing, because mm -hmm. that confused me. That, that's the thing is that I'd read about it. Wait, and please think, say that Wait, again. There's something I'd read about Ethereum or I'd read about these alts. And I was just, because I was aware of Bitcoin. And I was like, OK, I understand the libertarian from a libertarian's perspective. I understand Satoshi totally. I'm like, I get why he wants to stay anonymous or all these dark forces running central banks. He's trying to go up against it. I get all of that. But, oh, maybe he could be NSA, CIA. Who knows? Maybe this is all some sort of plot to make a world one world money or whatever. Um, so, you know, you have some of those doubts because they're gold bugs saying stuff like that, um, you know, and, and so as soon as they were like, oh, well, we've got the next Bitcoin. I'm like, what are you talking about? What's, how are people even not understanding like this core premise? You know, so, so that made me a little nervous because the fact that, because if you make more and Peter Schiff says this, like if you make more digital currencies alongside the one core thing that's supposed to be absolutely scarce, right? Then what's the point? Because mm -hmm. you're making more then, right? Or somebody is, and it's a private you entity, or there's one throat to choke in terms of there being some sort of suable entity, you know? You have to Sorry, stop quoting Peter Schiff. 
He's just but he's garbage. Burning. Yeah, don't don't quote Peter <laughs> Ship on the show. He's just he's just such trash. He's he's engagement farming. You know, I blocked him. I blocked him. Uh, on I really dislike echo chambers, and so that's kind of my whole thing with my retweet news network he during is, the pandemic. And, and for Bitcoiners, you know, I Peter I like Schiff to match his up own personal views. Peter Schiff is his own personal echo chamber. He doesn't listen to responses. <laughs> he doesn't care. He's just shilling his gold. And and I'm going to say this is somebody I still own silver. I bought silver when I was first started bitcoining. Right? Did you get put, physical? I, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I have I it in custody. You. Mm-hmm. you know. And and I have it, and I'll hang on to it. I know That's futures fine. traders. I, I know a lot of futures. A uh, good friend of mine's you know. an oil futures trader. Like he could go in and get silver futures and play that game. But it's uh, you know. No, I would never. I would never game. buy paper silver. That seems ridiculous to me. That always seems ridiculous do it. to me. Yeah. That's a shit coin, basically. Mm-hmm. But it's mm-hmm. like Peter Schiff, and I and I'm going to say it about his son too. I think that uh, what's his son's name? Spencer. Spencer. I'm mm-hmm. pretty sure they're they're hand in glove, man. They absolutely go after each other because they know that in engagement farms, that's all it is. It's just, it's another shit. Like their interaction is a shit coin. It absolutely <laughs> is because they get together at Thanksgiving. They laugh at how, hey, yeah, thanks. That that tweet that you sent out ripping me on, on Bitcoin. Yeah, I sold a shit more ton gold. You know, like there is, there is, there is nothing genuine about those twos. In I don't even believe he has a son. I'm going to say it right now. I'm going to go <laughs> oh full God. Alex Jones. I think that Spencer Schiff is a freaking creation, dude. It's an absolute imagination. It's just he needed something to engage with because he wasn't the the, the engagement no. farmer was going down, and he he just invented Spencer. There, I said it. I, I'm standing by it. I don't care until I see those two shaking hands with a birth certificate. I don't believe it. I'm done. I've seen a I'm photo honest. of Spencer with Max Kaiser. There you go. Does he have a birth certificate, or is it an actor? Is it a CIA oh, actor, Alex? Okay, this is know. third season of Why Bitcoin. We go all the way. Okay, we ask the hard questions. There was a really great log scale Bitcoin spot where he got Peter and Spencer arguing on on his Twitter space, and it was, it was uh, genuine. It was real. Like they, they were going at it. It was it was pretty fun to listen to actually. Mm. And he put that one up on YouTube for. Picks or it didn't happen. This is the age of the internet. <laughs> yeah. All right, Jeff. Anyway, I I got a I got fun. a cue for you. Yo, we're not done yet, Alex. Oh, got, uh, how long do we go? We got, <laughs> we got a lot more lot more shenanigans. We got about okay. another five ten minutes here. Five, you good oh, for that? Okay. Good right. for five ten yeah, minutes. Wait, so wait, so Alex, did you confirm yeah. that you just never bought shitcoins then? No, I did not buy shitcoins. Right on. Wow, good for unless you, you can silver and gold as a shitcoin. Or you count no, stocks I, as a shitcoin or something. Uh, well, like, I do yeah. now, but back then I didn't. I, 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 wouldn't, point, I wouldn't consider that a shitcoining phase. No, no, not a shitcoin. Oh, you know phase. what? You know what, though? There is a funny thing that Coinbase did where they were giving out free shitcoins yeah. for watching videos. Yes, I did and that. They, they made it really easy and fee-free to like convert it back to Bitcoin immediately. So they give you yep. some free shitcoin for watching a video. It was like a dollar's worth of shitcoin. I remember and having... so I watched all their dumb videos, and I didn't really pay attention. I just hit buttons, and then I converted it all yep. to Bitcoin. So, and you oh, know yeah. what? Listen, the way I look at that is that's not technically shitcoining. You know what that is? No. Is you were no. trading your time for Bitcoin. Yeah. Right. You were just mining Bitcoin personally. I was that's bored on my phone. <laughs> 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 that's just how this happened. <laughs> yeah. 
Doug, I remember when you when we were doing that and you said, oh, well, maybe I'll just hold on to these because their value might go up. And I was like, dude, what the hell? And I remember there was a day you specifically said, I'm getting rid of all this shit. I did. They're all <laughs> gone. Awesome. You know what sucks, though? Speaking of Coinbase, actually, it's not mm -hmm. Coinbase. It's actually BlockFi. Is I did sell all of my all of my shit on BlockFi. Sold it all, right? Okay. I went back, like, this is now almost eight, nine months later. There was like that dust that you can't cash in for whatever reason, you know, like oh, okay. that's mm -hmm. actually earning me interest. So now, Jeff, I actually own some Ethereum, but it's funny because I still can't get it. Like the, the gas fees are going to be way too much for me to actually transmit <laughs> it into Bitcoin. So I, I technically it's am still a shit dust. Player. Is that what you're yeah, saying? Yeah, it's it's like oh, like yeah. I have to own a dollar fifty worth of Ethereum in order to transfer it into Bitcoin, and I only own like a dollar twenty five or something like that. So wow. I did I did get rid of like I mean maybe Jeff is still going to call me a shit coiner, and I probably shouldn't have even said that on this podcast, but I just want to be I just like transparency because Shun, our audience man. likes Shun us. The non believer. <laughs> yeah, you know. <laughs> Burn the heretic. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that's what it is. We all we all have our shit that was kicking around. I actually wanted to just say, like my uh, shit coin that. So I went. I discovered Bitcoin, and then I looked into Ethereum. And I was like, "Oh, Ethereum's cool for like five minutes," and then I found one more, and my one more was something called Chainlink, and I was yeah, like, oh, "This I is going to be the one." So that I think every like. I don't know. I, I feel like everybody has their one coin and it just depends how long you hold on to it. For me, it was like 48 hours. But yeah. I looked at Chainlink yesterday just because like, I don't know, it's just a memory of mine. And it's at, I don't know, man, it's low. It's lower than I ever saw it. <laughs> Way down there. You know, it's you know so, what my favorite scary. infograph is? It's like scary <laughs> and sad. Yeah. My favorite infograph is have you guys ever seen the one where it's like the last 10 years of quote unquote crypto and it's like oh and they all die off yeah, yeah. they Except all bitcoin is <laughs> always number one bitcoin yeah. is always number one and then there's always like except for like maybe the last three or four years it's been ethereum but there's been like a, a different number two and a different you know three through set three to three through ten mm -hmm. every year for the last 10 years but bitcoin always right. number one brother yeah. always so well, in shitcoining took a different form for me during the pandemic. I started um, messing around on eBay and looking at um, numismatics. So I got interested in What's partly because we homes, partly just rare coins. Think not oh, okay. super expensive, but just thinking, okay, well maybe I can order some that are from different countries, you know, and you know make it a learning thing. With uh, but also history of money is interesting to me. Mm -hmm. So, oh, it is absolutely. Do you yeah. uh, have you read? Uh, I got to meet Lord Fusatua, book? you know, through Twitter Spaces. Lord Fusatua, th nah, the Tongan guy. You don't like him? Me. No, no I, I think he's, I think he's genuine. Uh, but I, he locked down his own people, bro. I'm sorry. Listen, man, I can't, he, I can't a good conscience just let that one go, dude. Lord Fusatua yeah, is a shitcoin. He, he absolutely, he locked down his own people. He for, he mandated vaccines on his people. You know, he talked a good game, but does Tonga ha have they? Uh, no, let, I mean, let's just put it right on the table. Have they have they converted yet? Have they made Bitcoin uh, currency? They just got hit so, by that giant tsunami. But uh, yeah, they're they're volcano. still in the works. But that oh yeah, I, oh, I yeah, want to go to bat a little bit for for him here. Okay, go ahead. I'll let you. Well, because I, I really like I didn't. That's fine. That's fine. Okay. But the thing, 
the thing is, is that to meet to someone like that is a pretty cool experience. Like that's cu- cool use of social media, right? So just to be able to meet someone like that for me and talk to him about his country, right? But his story is kind of, he had near death experiences, a multiple in getting airlifted out of Tonga to survive this collapse and all this stuff that was going on with his health um, and, and brought to New Zealand. And then he's not been back to his country in this whole time. So he basically went full Bitcoin maxi from a hospital bed in Auckland. Uh, I remember the, the videos. Of, yeah. He was on, right? um, so, he was um, on uh, Ben's um, why are we bullish? And I remember that from, okay. because he was, he was in a hospital bed while he was doing it. Right. So, uh, right. And so, uh, yeah, the, the reason that I just think that he's a genuine guy is because, you know, they have this whole history and I had to learn a little bit about it or I went back and I was like, I don't know anything about Tonga. So I need to be aware before I have phone calls or I was DMing with them, you know, and stuff. So uh, a- anyway, they have a history of really in their monarchy, wanting all of their people on the island to have really great education. So he's multilingual and he does all this tech stuff from a young age and gets into Bitcoin through his own story, right? Getting into it and uh, and you know, running lightning nodes and trying to do this liquidity for Tongan on the lightning network and all this stuff. So it's just mind expanding to see all this. And then um, super sad when the crisis happened of the volcano going. I mean, that was... I retweeted all of that. I ignored everything else in the news cycle because I was biased toward them <laughs> um, and what was happening to them. Uh, but the the thing of the pandemic response was that he wasn't even back in his country when that was happening, and he wasn't directly responsible for um, the the laws being passed by his parliament. So there, I, and, and I the can, thing was is that I, they were not jailing you, people that didn't do that, it or whatever. Right? At the same time, he should have been speaking out, in my opinion. Uh, and look, I'm not, I am not yeah. a representative of Tonga. I'm not even a representative in my own country, and I get that. But if you are in a position of power, it is my opinion. Again, my number one issue across the board always is, always will be freedom. You know, and yeah. if you are allowing your government as a as a thing you're a part of, right? That was like I loved everything about him. Honestly, I thought he was a really cool dude, great accent, good looking without a shirt on, whatever, that's fine, okay? Okay. But the fact that he would not speak out against people being forcibly vaccinated in order to, it wasn't like they could leave, you know? That really did bother me because it's a freedom issue. And I think everybody across, if you don't have bodily autonomy, forget Bitcoin. I hear you, but when asked about it, he said, look, the way the parliament passed the law uh, they can they can absolutely opt to not be vaccinated. They just pay a little fine. And it's a very small community there on the island. And so from his perspective, this was still autonomy. Yeah, the just, argument uh, I heard... They weren't him jailing him anybody on, over it. So you the, know. the argument I heard him give was that, you know, everyone wants to act in everyone else's best interest. And to me... Sure, it I, was a little bit of a socialistic uh, yeah, spiel that, that yeah. he gave. And I'll, I'll so you understand you that, where I'm coming from. I, listen, like I said... When I first, when he first, and like you, I had no, I, I didn't even know Tonga was a thing. What, what, Tonga? That's a, what? <laughs> so, but, but it was very, very cool. tiny islands. Yeah. Yeah. It was a very tiny and, and it looks beautiful, honestly. Like, it's a lot of islands. It's like a hundred islands. Yeah. 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 I mean, but, right. I've seen, but there's, I think there's one main one, right? Like there's right, the big yes. island, obviously the big Tonga island, kind of like mm-hmm. Hawaii or whatever. But, mm-hmm. you know, love to go. 
but wouldn't want to live there. Wouldn't want to be a citizen. That's for sure. You know, just just my two cents on that one. But well, all right, maybe Jeff. the Bitcoiners are right and Bitcoin will fix everything. I hope so. That would, that be, would cool. be great, dude. That would be, that would be yeah. great. And hopefully yep. Bitcoin fixes it before it all collapses. Because, anyways, this has been interesting. Yeah. This has been interesting. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, we're gonna do a little bit more. We got some. We got okay. a couple of things here. Well, I appreciate you, having want... me on. So I was just thinking. Yeah, no, 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 I hear you. But we want to, we want you to play a game with us. But first, okay. Jeff. But first, Jeff, Alex. Doug's phone cue of the week. That's right. It's time for Doug's Fun Cue for you. Doug's Fun Cue. Did you like Jeff? Did you even listen to yeah, last week's episode? Yeah, I did. You did great. Yeah, it's good. I would. You like it, that? You like the stinger? Yeah, I think I think you did it backwards though. You said it should be. No, you did it fine. I liked it. What did you think, audience? Did you like the stinger? Yeah, it was great. Okay, moving on. <laughs> Let us know below in the comments. All right. So this week I was listening to our guest, and as usual, you know, I, I tend to kind of jot something down. I still have my funk you for you from like four or five weeks ago. That's in there in reserve. That's that's uh that's our backup hitter in case we need that one. But this week I have a good one, I think. Okay. Okay. Do your politics endorse or denigrate? your belief in Bitcoin. There you go. Those that's your fun cue for you this week, man. So that's... Is, yeah. Am I supposed to answer that? Or? No, no, no. no, that's no, no that's for the, the audience. audience. That's for the audience. Oh. oh, for the so, audience. Oh, okay. Yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. So we, try to, want... we try to farm a little engagement on our own. It's not just for, for Chef, yeah. you know? Like, we, we got to do that, too. <laughs> I won't ever mention <laughs> Chef again. I, we're we're going to go back like, and edit out any mention of him, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, that's the, I mean, uh, listen, don't take it personal, right? Like it's not directed at you. I, I, I really like his politics. That's the, that's the trouble of it. Is that and I'm that's, so and sad he's not a bitcoiner. That's, right, and it, that's it really gets honestly, me. That's my problem <laughs> is that his politics comes first for him and and everybody else can just get screwed as far as he's concerned. That's my take on it. Like uh -huh. his whole thing is he's got to fill his bags. And so I have a hard time trusting someone like that that his advice is proper and good or that his takes are proper and good you know that well, no, it, but it he's a libertarian he even he even he... went in for joe jorgensen on joe rogan he, he was on joe rogan and mentioned jorgensen in tw during the 2020 campaign i will always right. appreciate him for that i mean he, all right he said hey you know well, you don't yeah. have to vote trump or biden you could you could go vote over to the libertarian party and vote uh, Jorgensen. Yeah. And, and You're Cohen, allowed to vote so. wherever you want still in this country, theoretically. Yeah. But uh... well, I think the thing is, is that I think there's a part of him that wants to love Bitcoin, but I think he's just scared of it. He doesn't understand the technology. Again, I just go back to the fact that his own website takes Bitcoin. Oh like, yeah, obviously. You know, you know, so and he not... defends that by saying, "Well, but I, I immediately converted into dollars, right?" And then, Except, you know, and all one of, of his but arguments still, against Bitcoin, still. one of his arguments <laughs> against Bitcoin is you can't use it as a money. Except, right. he absolutely is using it as a money. You know what right. I mean? Like, come on, come you got to stop worrying about. Yeah, he, he's smarter than he puts out. He knows what he knows what he's doing. Yeah, he has. He's got. He's got. I don't know. Simple. I think he people can be very right. smart and miss things. So. Yeah. All right, Jeff. <laughs> you know what it's time for? It's time for our favorite game. It's time for Why, Why Bitcoin, Bitcoin Presents 
your weekly price check. That's right. It's time for the Why Bitcoin's weekly price check. I always forget the name of it, and then I have to put the stinger in, and I feel like an asshole. I think you do. All right, Jeff, you want to. Why don't you do the rules? All right, so here's the deal, Alex. Jeff's going to give mm-hmm. the rules. You're going to play, if you please, s'il vous plaît. If, uh, if, I was gonna, if I was in Canada, if I was in Quebec, I would say s'il vous plaît because they, they speak mostly French. Um, <laughs> Nailing and, it, uh, Nailing it. So Jeff's going to give the rules, and we're going to have you play along. And Jeff, go ahead. Okay, so Alex or anybody listening, if this is your first time, this is a Bitcoin podcast. It would be an absolute crime if we didn't talk about the price for at least two minutes here. So what Doug and I decided to do was play a little game where we try and guess what the price of one Bitcoin is going to be at the following recording of our podcast. We record on Monday nights. It's currently March 7th. Uh, and what we do is we say we say a price what we think the price is going to be. Whoever is closer to that price gets a point. At the end of the season, we round up who has the most points, and that person receives from the other person a pot of 100,000 sats. Now, Alex, whenever mm-hmm. we have a guest on, we ask they play along. If you guess closest to what the actual price of a Bitcoin is next week when we go to check it, we will add 5,000 sats to our pot. Our pot is currently at, who is it at 105 or 110 now? I feel like it's 110. I think it is as well. Um, yeah. Okay. So all we need to do... Does that do... mean that's how many guests So we've had two right? guests yeah, this are... season got closer than us, yes. Yeah, we've had two guests get it get it right, and we've only had, what, like four guests, so we're not very... I feel like it was game. Mike. But so how did you get to 100,000 sats? We started at 100. We just, oh, that's okay. a starting right. pot. That's a starting pot. Okay, all right. So yeah, just when we have we sense. have a guest every second week is what we aim for here. Okay, so mm-hmm. we're gonna take thirty seconds. You just uh, think yeah, of what well, you think the price is gonna be. Do you see who won last week? Oh yeah, let's do the review first. Yeah, okay. let's do that. I have no so, idea what the price so, is right now. I do. I got it up here, man. That's my job. I got it. I, so I last week, the, uh, bitbo.io for the last. There we go. There you go. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, I love that. So one. last week was our closest guest. Jeff and I did a solo show last week. No guest. It was our closest. Jeff said. 42345 and 76 or 67 cents sorry and i said 424424 and and i was really hoping that uh, alex would talk a lot longer because the price has been going up since we started the show <laughs> <laughs> I think but, you can tell that I, I can talk a lot. Of, you can, you can. And I was, I, I was giving you as much rope as I could, man. But we still oh, got to no. try to fit into like an hour and a half. And uh, yeah. and unfortunately, Bitcoin just did not cooperate for me. Uh, it uh, it went with uh, thirty eight thousand four seventy five and ninety cents. So that means Jeff, you do win this week. Right on, right not on, by right much, on. man. That's not awesome, by much. Man. So the current score so is. What are we at right now? It's a tie. 38.7. 38.7. 38.7. Yeah. yeah. So our yeah, current what are we scores for the, for the game? are Doug has three points and Jeff has three points and the pot is sitting okay. at 110,000 sats. 110,000. Okay. All right. <coughs> so now we are going to take 30 seconds, Alex, and we both write these down so that we okay. can't. It's an honor system, but we write it down so that, you know, we don't try to make it up in our heads as we go. So starting 30 seconds from right now. Go.
All right, Jeff. Okay. That should do it. So you want to go first or you want to uh, let Alex go first? Uh, I'll go first. So what I went okay. with is the price of one Bitcoin next week when we record this podcast. One Bitcoin is going to cost, in U.S. dollars, $39,999.99 is what I think. <laughs> All right, Alex, you go, you go next, buddy. Sure. Um, looking at this chart, I'm going to say we're going to have a great bullish week. Uh, we're going to add a 10K candle onto where we're at right now. So we go 48.7. Right on. 48.700 even? Yeah, 48.700 even. All I right. love that. Jeff? I, we need that positivity on this part. <laughs> appreciate That's it. That's fine. That's fine. We're bouncing uh, along that bottom, but we keep bouncing off it. So it's a good sign. Yeah. Well, I think the I think the resistance is at forty five. Not that I care or ever look at TA. <laughs> we never look at the price. <laughs> um, all right, so Jeff, you and I are pretty close again, buddy. But I am the bull again this week, and I'm going to go with forty thousand nine eighty five and seventy cents. <laughs> right on. So, yeah, we're very close. We're very we're less than a thousand, which is pretty good for us. Pretty yeah, good. I could see you winning. I think that's good. Alex, that that was ballsy. So when we first started, Alex, it was uh, it was yeah, December of last year, January of last year, where we were on a crazy bull run. So I was get it was like it, it was probably around this price. It was like thirty, and I'd be like, it's gonna be ninety thousand dollars next week. <laughs> <laughs> this is never gonna it's, stop. It, it, you want to get bullish when everyone's bearish. That's that's exactly. the way markets, you know, rip your heart yeah, out. Absolutely, <laughs> yep. right on, man. So, Okay, dude. So, that was a that was a cool. fun show. Oh, Alex, uh, give out your give out your Twitter. And, yeah, I'm uh, at AK Kaufman. Uh, just uh, yeah, it's my middle initial is K, so it's AK and then K A U F M A N. Right on. Okay. And if you uh, follow me, if anyone follows me and sees a lot of retweets of random news and stuff that they don't necessarily want to see. In their feed, you can mute my retweets, but that's in my bio. But that's that's kind of what I'm doing with my personal feed is to turn it into a retweet right network. So yeah, but some people it's too much, so they you can just mute it. Cool. <laughs> right. Come come check out the feed, you know, without even following me. You can just check it out. It's sort of like a synthetic newspaper, right? Right on. Very cool. All right. Otherwise, right. you can follow us um, at uh, whybitcoin underscore. Or Jay, you can find at uh, my Twitter is at YBitcoinJ, and Bearded Hoddle is going to be Ghost of Bearded Hoddle sooner or later. You got to do it, man. You got to do it. Maybe, <laughs> maybe. Are you wanting me to do it just because then I'm like the real one? Like, yeah, we need like, a real that, ghost on the show, man. Is, is that a so badge? That, that, badge? That is a badge for sure. That's a badge in in Bitcoin Twitter. Right. I'm not I might bad do it enough. just for the show. Yeah, I might just do it for the show. I've seen a few ghosts come up today. Actually, your, your girl Bitcoin Becca just got deleted again. I think they're going on a spree. If they got you, and there's wow. like yeah, four or five other people that I saw that got ghosted. So it, it comes All in right. waves. It is what it is. Uh, and hey, okay, if, do I use the same? Do I use the same avatar? Do I got to yeah, get different just avatar? The, no, you're just the same person. And then you just say, hey, I'm back. Like you know, diligent. Diligent's done it like a thousand times. I, you know what? I actually I was so mad when he got banned last time. What rules are, is everyone violating? That's what I don't understand. Well, I, I think one of the main rules like that, that everyone gets kicked for. Yeah, I have no idea. Yeah. yeah, pretty much. People get yeah, pretty so heated on persecuted. Twitter. Yeah. 
Yeah, I was so mad when Diligent got banned the last time, and then I, I went and refollowed him with his, his ghost, that I actually was like, dude, you have to give me a different link. So he actually gave me like a, uh, I think it was a telegram or a signal or something like that. So we could talk on that now. Because oh, nice. like, I was I was so mad at him. I'm like, don't get banned, dude. <laughs> and, that's, so, that's so bad. Don't get banned. And now so, it's happened to you. You're and now it's happened to me. Tiptoe around that stuff, right? To some yeah. extent. There you go. So, it's tricky. Yeah, yeah, but freedom, man. But freedom. So. Try and be a good boy <laughs> on the internet. All right, Jeff. You right. did win this week, so you get to close the show. I want to thank our guest, Alex, for coming on, especially such late notice. Really appreciate yeah, that, dude. dude. And by the way, okay. occasionally that does me. happen. If you follow us, uh, either Jeff's or um, uh, YBitcoin Bitcoin underscore. We uh, we we occasionally throw those out there. So if you do want to be on the show, you know, we want to talk to plebs. So you got to be a real one, and you got to be able to you know stand the crucible because sometimes I'll come after you for liking Peter Schiff. It happens. So. <laughs> <laughs> All I like right. libertarians. I like libertarians. Right That's fine. You know what? I I think talking to you as a libertarian, I like libertarians as well. I just. I just don't like shit. Vermin Supreme, man. He's just, he's, some, he's a some of them go a little wild. Yeah, he's, <laughs> he's, he's a, a stumbling block for me. Absolutely. So, all right, Jeff. But they have their reasons. <laughs> Take us out of all here, right. my friend. Appreciate it. All right, guys. No, don't go away. Don't go oh, away. Oh, I won't go away. I won't go away. Yeah, we'll just let saying. Jeff close out the show. <laughs> okay, let okay. me close out the show. Hey, guys, if you made it to the end of the show, uh, that's awesome. Thanks so much for listening. We appreciate you. If you want to find us, the Twitters are there. We also have a Discord. You can find that on our website. Our website is www.ybitcoinpodcast.com. If you want to contact us in any other way or if you want to answer Doug's fun cue, you can uh, email us at askwhybitcoin at gmail.com. That's it for everything. Share it with a friend. Tell somebody that you know isn't a Bitcoiner to become a Bitcoiner, and maybe this podcast will help them. Alex's story is really cool. Libertarians seem like all right people. I appreciate you all. Thanks again. And hey, remember, always if ever, you're thinking, if you're ever thinking, hmm, what? Why think, why ask what when you could ask why? What? Okay, fabulous. <laughs> That's my intro. <laughs>